0: Picture a scenario in which Rick Eckstein does not get fired at the end of this season. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates lost 4-0. To the Cardinals last night at PNC Park, Adam Wainwright went the distance. The Pirates had two whole hits, both by Colin Moran. A night after getting one whole hit. Three hits total in two games. Seven game losing streak in which the Pirates have scored ten. Ten total runs the Pirates are averaging fewer runs per game than in any season since 1985. And yet, none of that, none of that is what, in my eyes, would be the most damning about Eckstein's job performance. But first... It feels necessary, even though it's obvious, to point this out. There isn't a whole lot of talent at hand. I get that. I cover the team. I watch them in batting practice. I watch them in games. There isn't a whole lot of talent here. However, there is something here that's disturbing. And that is that when players go into a funk on this roster, they never seem to reemerge. Have you noticed that? Look, take Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, and just set them off to the side. Reynolds was able to hit baseballs to all fields when he fell out of the womb. Frazier basically just kind of needed to get right. He's 29 years old. He did. He stayed consistent to his credit. He's continuing to hit in San Diego. Wonderful. Look at literally everyone else and look at how they are when they arrive, whether that's being promoted from the minors, whether that's from another system, and then look at how they are Oh, about a month or so later. And this applies whether they're rookies, whether they're youngsters, like a Kibrian Hayes, Rodolfo Castro, etc. Or whether they're older guys, whether they're veterans, like John Nagowski and Ben Gamble. Once they fall, they don't climb back onto the bike and figure it out. Clint Hurdle used to describe this as counter-punching. He would say, as a hitter, you come up, you deliver a punch. Then the league punches back. And it's what you do with the counter-punch, your own counter-punch, that defines who you are as a hitter. Because they're going to find something. They're going to figure out something. And you, in turn, have to keep answering You have to keep doing that as a hitter. This hitting coach is principally responsible for the counterpunch. He really is. When Kibrian Hayes was struggling, I'd say up until about a week ago, and I wrote a column about this from Milwaukee, interviewed the kid, got some input from Derek Shelton and everything else. And I had accompanying with it a graphic that illustrated that he had not yet in the year 2021 dropped one single into left field. He'd put a couple through that side, but he hadn't elevated a ball into left field, not one, for a hit all year long. And when I broached this with Shelton, who himself is a former hitting coach, his response was that, well, you know, we need to get him focused on one side. He's right now trying to both sides. And by that, he's referring to both sides of the plate instead of just locking in on inner half and pulling the ball. That weekend... Just like that, Hayes is focused on hitting the ball on the inside and pulling it, and he did with really good results, not least of which was a home run to the left side. Where was Eckstein in this? I have no idea. I I can only guess at whatever it was that led to this. I'm not suggesting that my column or my questioning did it, I'm saying that something needed to have happened long before whatever happened. Where was he? All you had to do was look at the kid, and I noticed it in San Francisco, taking his batting practices and hitting the ball constantly to the right side on purpose, as if this was going to be his career thing. I don't see hitters recovering from when they fall into a slump under this hitting coach. I'm going to repeat this because it's really easy to jump on me over this one particular thing here. I'm going to repeat this. There's not enough talent here. I'm not expecting these players or this lineup to produce consistent, significant offense. There isn't enough talent. But I do think it's reasonable to expect that the hitters themselves could at least be the best version of themselves. They don't need to just fall into a chasm and remain there. I'm going to give you another example. And this this is probably the best example I've got because he was never a consequential player here. But, at the same time, he had always always hit, and that's Philip Evans. The reason that the Pirates really liked this guy coming out of spring training twenty twenty and the reason he made the team was that he could hit all he did was hit, 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 hit this year. something went wrong with Evans, and suddenly he couldn't get the ball out of the infield he could do nothing other than to ground out repeatedly 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 until last week it cost him his job in the major leagues if you show me a hitting coach who can't get a guy to at least be what he always was I'm going to show you a hitting coach who really ought to lose his job. And let's not forget, by the way, that Eckstein and Joey Cora were the only two members of Hurdle's staff that were retained. And in Eckstein's case, he was retained because a bunch of guys, notably Fraser and Josh Bell, lobbied hard for him. Guess what? Neither Frazier nor Bell is around anymore. And it's time. It's time. After this season, this guy's got to go. When we come back, just one question. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's always brought to you by the good people at the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone, home of multiple television sets for you to watch all the games going on, But with a particular bent for baseball, it is a fully dedicated year-round Pirates sports bar. North Shore Tavern, no place like it anywhere for a baseball fan. Today's question comes from Jim, who asks, DK, why do the Pirates constantly move guys up and down the lineup? Over the past four games, Hoy Park has hit leadoff and cleanup. Others move around quite often as well. What's the benefit to this? It certainly isn't continuity and consistency. Jim, this subject has come up with Derek Shelton more times uh, than I can count. And even then, it's been more frequent of late. Park, as you know, led off again in the game last night. I have a feeling you're going to see him stick there, but I also have a feeling that You can't know that. You can't know that. He's going to have to show that on a consistent basis. Shelton, this week, stated very clearly that the one player who has earned himself an actual spot, like a fixed spot in the lineup, is the obvious. That's the number three hitter. Brian Reynolds is hitting at a near MVP level. You're not going to be moving him around. You do want him to be comfortable to an extent. Brian Hayes has become set in the number two slot. And then after that, I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, we're talking about, you know, a team that just does not have a cleanup hitter unless you consider Colin Moran to be that, uh, The reason that Shelton keeps moving people around is he's looking for different feels for different players. And some of that's not him. Some of that's management wanting to see as much as they can, wanting to learn as much as they can. That's why Park has played five, count them, five different positions in the past two weeks alone. They want to have as much direct information as they possibly can, not toward winning in August and September, but toward winning next year, toward making plans for next year. It'll help inform their decisions for what kind of acquisitions they'd want to make or where they might want to adjust with another player in the minor leagues who's on his way up. So the positional movement is the bigger component here. And the lineup's part of it as well. We have seen players over the years, and you have too, where they just find a spot in the lineup, and they're way, way, way more productive from that spot. And, and, and even they can't tell you, let alone their managers, why it is that it happens. So what you're going to see here, and I understand this is going to be exasperating over these final few weeks, is a lot of experimentation. Of course, you still want to win the game, blah, 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 and everything else here, but you're going to see some things that make you go, what? Why are they doing that? I mean, he was just fine over here. Why are they moving him over there? Because they just want to find stuff out, especially as it relates to the players who don't have much of a history. Park obviously fits into that. Rodolfo Castro fits into that. These are the kinds of things you're going to be seeing here. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.